Welcome, welcome, welcome to the I Speak Fizbo podcast, where we pull back the curtain from the real estate industry and expose everything they don't want you to know. We share tips, tricks, myths, and truths to fight against outdated real estate traditions so you can sell your home for top dollar without having to pay a dime in commission or sacrifice your time. It's time for homeowners to take back the power and break up the monopoly. This is the I Speak Fizbo Podcast, and this is your host, Josh Knox. Hey everybody, what's up? This is Josh, and I wanted to talk to you on today's episode about mistakes and uh, the mistakes, the common mistakes really that people make uh, when it comes to selling a home. And this is honestly, uh, this goes for both professionals and for uh, homeowners who are doing it for sale by owner. So it's not you know, it's not exclusive. Um, it's stuff that I have uh, made mistakes on personally um, when I first got started in the business. And then uh, mistakes that I still see uh, a lot of professionals make as well as, um, again, just just regular um, homeowners that are uh, doing it for sale by owner. And so um, I wanted to break this up into this in the same topics, honestly, that uh, that I teach in my in my course called the Commission Cure, uh, because there's only four steps uh, to selling a home, and you can break those steps up into preparation, uh, you know how you prepare the home, into marketing, uh, how you market it, where you market it, um, you know, and that has everything to do with price and uh, pictures and you know the words that you put on an online listing, and then uh, that goes into negotiations, which is step three. Uh, and then into uh, closing the deal. So the first area that most people make mistakes in, and it's probably one of the areas that impacts the listing and the overall sale the biggest, and that is in the, the preparation of the home, how it's actually prepared for sale. I can't tell you how many listings and how many homes I've been in where the property just doesn't look like anyone either cared or knew how to uh, prepare a home for sale. And that goes from, you know, how clean the home was or how staged the home was or how decluttered the home was. I've been in more than enough homes to see plenty of stuff on kitchen counters, plenty of stuff still sitting on beds, plenty of beds unmade, uh, plenty of bathrooms not cleaned, uh, plenty of living areas having too much furniture in it. And so th this first area on home preparation is probably the biggest. A lot of people feel like, well, it's a, and, and I'll use the example of a hot market because a lot of areas around the country right now uh, in time, and I don't know when you're listening to this episode, but right now in time in the year 2019, a lot of areas in the country are, are in a hot or a hotter uh, real estate market, meaning there's just more sales happening. The prices are increasing uh, monthly or quarterly pretty um, pretty regularly, pretty consistently. And so a lot of people in these types of markets think, well, if I just list it, it will sell. 
And the reality is, is that's, that's just not the case. I mean, buyers are still looking for a good product. They still want to purchase something that makes sense to them, uh, that looks like it was cared for. It's, it's, and I've mentioned this before, you know, it looks like a canvas that they can put their mark on. Uh, and buyers are still looking for move-in ready homes. And if you, if you aren't preparing your property the right way, you're either not going to sell or you're going to leave money on the table. That's just a fact. Uh, and it's not just because, um, it's not just because of what I'm telling you about home preparation. It's because that's, that's marketing a product in general. If your product isn't prepared the right way, then the market will tell you what they think of your product by either not buying it or spending less money on it. And that's, um, that's not what you need. Uh, everybody wants to make, you know, the most amount of money out of their property possible. Even if they're selling to an investor, they still want to get as much money as they can out of the house. And so how you prepare it matters. So that's often, that's often mistake number one. And it's a lot of the times because people just aren't willing to put in a little bit of effort to get their home ready. But sometimes it also is because they're not quite sure what they should be doing to get their home ready. And so that's why I, that's why I like to share with folks, you know, you got to declutter it and you definitely have to clean it and you definitely have to stage it the right way. And I'm not talking about hiring a stager and spending thousands of dollars. I'm talking about using your own furniture in the right way. Does your furniture block windows? Does it block doors? Does it block passageways? Is there too much furniture? Is it a little bit um, outdated or is it a lot outdated? So just think through that as you're, as you're looking at your house. If you were to walk through your own house as a person looking to buy the house, you know, what would you think? If you were to walk through uh, your best friends, what would they think, right? If you were to open up your doors and let the neighborhood walk through people you don't know who will give you honest feedback, what would they think? So think about how you're preparing your home because it really lays a great foundation for how well the rest of the transaction is going to go for you. If it's prepared the right way, then the buyers will see that and you'll have better reception in the marketplace. Now, when it comes to marketing, which is the next area uh, that people often make a mistake in. It has to do with where they're getting their message out and how they're conveying that message. So if if you have, and I'm just going to say it, and it's totally cliche, but if you've got dim lighting and your house isn't prepared the right way, so the pictures don't look very good, then not a lot of people are going to be interested in that property. And I've been in homes where, that's been the case, and I've had buyers offer up to $50,000 less of an asking price and get it simply because the house just didn't look good online, and so it was sort of an afterthought to go look at it. And in the end, the possibilities were there, uh, but the seller and the seller's agent just didn't convey the message the right way. So pictures are a big deal, and that's part of your marketing. So. It's okay to take your own pictures with the with the quality of cameras that are on today's smartphones. You can capture a real high quality photo, but you you know you need to light the house the right way. You need to open up all the blinds or shutters or whatever it is that is covering your windows, the drapes or the curtains. You have to open that up to let in all that natural light. 
you've got to turn on all the lights in your house, and then you've got to capture the majority of the room in the shot, right? And if you're not doing that, then your marketing is going to fall flat. People will not see your home for what it actually is and what it could offer them. And that's a big no-no. Um, you'll, you'll lose dollars because of that. So that's number one when it comes to marketing. Number two when it comes to marketing is where are you putting it online? Are you putting it on your local MLS? Are you uh, putting that property in three to four times the number of buyers viewing um, viewership online because you put it on your local MLS? And I'm not suggesting that you have to give away the farm uh, by potentially offering a buyer's agent commission. What I'm saying is, is the local MLS still in the United States drives the majority of buyers. So the local MLS will propagate your listing to Zillow, to Trulia uh, in many cases. And so you're just getting in front of so many more buyers by doing that. And you're going to get in front of unrepresented buyers. So if you're, tra- if you're trying to capture both sides of the transaction commission, which is totally possible to do, you're still going to find buyers who are looking online on their own, who don't want to use a real estate agent, and they will come to your house if you if you've got your property listed there. But if you're just putting it, you know, if you're just putting a sign in the yard and not even using directional signs to send people to your property, you're missing out on a huge portion of the buyer pool uh, that could potentially be interested in your home. And then, of course, offer on your home. And, and so the more people you get it in front of, the better, right? If you're not listing it in your local newspaper website or on Craigslist or any of the other hundreds of sites that are out there, right, if you want to skip the MLS and, and uh, put it on all those other sites for free, uh, you certainly can do that, but you have to actually go out and do it. You just do a little bit of research on where you can put a real estate listing and you'll get it in front of more buyers by just not doing it. So the biggest mistake is oftentimes for sale by owners just don't market the property at all. They just think that, well, there's, you know, there's enough sale of homes for sale around me that I'll be able to get buyers from it. And that's rarely the case. And so you've got to do, you've got to do the right things to get your property in front of the right people. So, uh, the other thing that people make the mistake in with marketing is they don't tell their friends, their family, their coworkers, they don't tell their neighbors. Sometimes they don't even put a sign in the yard to notify their neighbors that they're for sale. And so uh, that that is left out. So you've got to make sure that you're you're communicating your offering, your listing, right, to everybody that could potentially know someone uh, that would buy your house. And and make no mistake about it, this is what you know a real estate agent is doing as well. Now, they may not know as many people in your friend group, right, as you do. They may not be connected as well on social media as you would be when you share it. Uh, But they're still doing the same thing. They're still using a network of people to get your listing in front of. And if you're not doing it, you're you're missing out on money and, and buyers because of it. Now, the next phase of the the project uh, of selling your property uh, comes in negotiations. Once you find a buyer, right, you're negotiating with people. And and some of the biggest mistakes that for sale by owners make, um, and again, even professional real estate agents, is letting their emotions get too involved in the transaction. On the agent side, oftentimes their ego uh, gets in the way just the same as one of professional real estate agents uh, 
just sorry. A lot of the times, um, a professional agent's ego will get in the in the way the same way as a homeowner's ego will. Well, I put a price on that. I definitely think it's worth that, and I should get that. Well, sometimes the market thinks differently. We can do all the due diligence in the world, find all the data to back up our position, but if we put it on the market and we're not getting offers, and we go for a period of time and then all of a sudden get an offer and it's less than full asking price, that's the market telling us something. And we've got to pay attention to that, and we've got to make sure that our emotion doesn't drive our decision from that point forward because the reality is is if we put a price on it we put it out in the marketplace and we have to wait for a while to get an offer but we eventually get an offer guess what we have something to work with and if we've got something to work with then that means we've at least got somebody mildly interested in purchasing the property and so we cannot let our ego override what what is the reality of the situation so watch your emotions uh, when you're negotiating contracts just do what the market is giving you indicators of doing. If you put your house on the market and you get activity right away and you're showing a lot, of right, a lot right away and then you get offers very quickly, then that's a good indication that you're priced in the right area. And so if the offer reflects a little bit of a lower price, you can be a little bit more aggressive in your response, right? So, again, the, the mistake that people are making is they just let their emotions get in the way of what's happening. You just have to go back and look at the data that you – collected when you price the property to make sure that you aren't allowing, again, emotion to dictate what's happening. Now, the other thing that happens in uh, that's a mistake that people do uh, in, in negotiations is they, they sort of get ahead of themselves and they give away too much information. Now, it's okay to answer questions, but it's also okay to keep information too. Why are you moving? Uh, you know what, that's, that's something that I'd rather, you know, keep to myself. It is okay to give people that answer. Um, it is not okay to lie, though. It's not okay to deceive. So if somebody's asking you something specific about the house, you know, what condition is it? It's a good condition. Do you ever know anything to be, you know, wrong about the roof? No, we've never experienced that. Or yes, we have, right? You're going to disclose that anyways in, in disclosures, and you're going to sign your name that everything that you disclose is true and accurate about the property. Um, but you don't have to give away the farm. Right? Oh, it it did this or it did that. You don't have to, you know, we don't really feel like it's worth this, but somebody told us to stick the price here, and so we did, so, so we're testing it. You don't have to give up that information. You just have to know that buyers in the marketplace, and they're going to be asking questions. And so when you go to answer those questions, um, you know, keep your cards to the chest. It's still negotiation. It's still a business transaction. And in business transactions, you don't have to tell ev everyone absolutely everything all the time um, and give away, you know, money just because you feel obligated to tell them something, okay? So that's that's another mistake that people often make. Um, and then the, the last thing that I wanted to share, and I want to be clear, this is not a completely comprehensive list. This is just some of the most common stuff that people do. Um, uh, that potentially uh, put them in a position to have to give up more money on the sale. Uh, so anyways, the last thing that I wanted to say in this section is uh, sellers don't often ask enough questions of the buyer. So if a buyer is asking you questions, you should be asking them just as many questions. Well, what do you – and you, and you want to ask them in such a way that you are discovering why they're interested in the house. Why are they moving? What solution are they looking for in their life 
that has brought them to walk through your house and offer you or potentially offer you a contract to purchase, right? What drew them to the house? What did they like in the pictures? Uh, when they drove into the neighborhood, were they things that they liked that they or that they didn't like? If you're asking these questions, then you'll discover buyer motives. And when you discover buyer motives, then you can work through issues uh, that a buyer might bring up. Well, we thought the kitchen was a nice size, but we really were looking for X, upgraded cabinets, uh, Y, upgraded countertops, or uh, a country farm sink, or... Um, you know, a divided sink, but one side 60% and the other side's 40%, or we were looking for a different faucet. If you ask the questions, buyers will tell you what they're looking for. And if you know what they're looking for, then oftentimes um, there's a way for you to give them a solution. So asking buyer questions or the buyer's agent questions like that will put you in a better position in your negotiations. Okay, finally, uh, it comes to, this comes to closings, and uh, the the mistakes that are made when it comes to closing the deal often have to do with the follow-up. So if you've gotten to this stage of the transaction where you have a contract on the house, um, the biggest things that you can do to make sure that it closes on time are follow up the buyer and follow up with the buyer's agent, but also follow up with the lender for the buyer asking them questions if the loan's on track, right, if the buyer is submitting all their documents. You don't need all of the details. You just need to know the buyer is adhering to their end of the contract. You need to know that they're doing everything that is in their power to do to move the transaction forward. Additionally, when you're asking these questions, um, you need to be asking questions about the inspection to make sure the buyer is following through, especially if the buyer is unrepresented. Uh, if they don't have a buyer's agent guiding them through the transaction, then that becomes some of your responsibility to do. Okay, when do you want to uh, schedule your inspections? Okay, now that you've scheduled the inspection and had the inspection, is there anything that you you know that you need from us? Okay. Now you don't always want to ask that question uh, because you don't want to necessarily open up yourself to more negotiation. But once the once the inspection is over, it's okay to ask. Hey, how did the inspection go? And leave it at that. Uh, and then let the buyer dictate um, if they want to say something else to you about the transaction. You want to follow up with the buyer, uh, and especially the buyer's lender, uh, when's the appraisal scheduled for? That will indicate to you that the inspection, a lot of the time, has gone well, and they're not really interested in asking for anything else uh, from the inspection. Now, let's say something does have it happen in the inspection, Again, keeping those lines of communication open is one of the mistakes that people make in closing the deal. If, if they, uh, oftentimes people will feel threatened or they feel nervous or what have you, and then if they don't communicate, uh, then a transaction can fall apart because people feel like, well, it's not going to work out because this, that, and the other thing happened in the inspection, and I'm not hearing from the other party. If you'll just communicate um, through each one of these stages, you'll find that you'll be able to close the transaction usually no problem. I mean, you're going to run into a few things here and there. It's just the nature of real estate transactions and sales. Uh, but if you'll, if you'll op keep the lines of communication open, you'll follow up with each of those parties, right? The buyer, the buyer's agent, if they have one, the buyer's lender. And then finally, keeping the lines of communication open up with title. They're the ones that are actually uh, moving the ownership of the property from, from you to the buyer. They're the ones that are helping with the closing documents, 
to get the property transferred, to get money transferred, to make sure everything legally is in the right shape. And if if your state requires a real estate attorney, it's it's the same uh, function as a title company. It's just a, a different terminology uh, because of state regulations. But you make sure you're keeping those lines of communication open uh, with each of those parties, and you'll close the transaction just fine. So. Anyways, that's just a number of the of the things that you want to be aware of to uh, so that you don't make uh, similar mistakes. And, and again, this is just common stuff that happens in the real estate world, um, both for licensed agents um, and for for sale by owners that are just working their way through a transaction. Uh, I'm here to tell you that 90% of transactions usually happen without any major problems. Um, the other 10% have some pretty serious problems. And it's not that they fall apart or the deal doesn't get done. It's just that they become a little bit more challenging. And a lot of it can be avoided by uh, avoiding these simple mistakes in a transaction. So just keep that in mind uh, as you're going through the process and as you're talking with different individuals. Uh, just keep those things in mind. And as always, I hope that information was helpful to you. And, of course, I always hope to see you on the next podcast.